Welcome to the Marshall Pruitt Podcast, your week in IndyCar guest episode featuring 2016 Indianapolis 500 winner Alexander Rossi from the Andretti Autosport Honda program. Glad to have our man, my fellow Californian, back here on the show. It was on just a couple of months ago. We catch up with Alex on a wide variety of things, all driven as usual. By your questions, this is a listener Q&A-driven show, and I really enjoy it. And you sent in some great stuff, some serious, nice amount of stuff that's silly, that fits my irreverent brain. It's good conversation as usual, so we'll get to that in just a moment. Up first, I want to say sincere thanks to so many of you who sent just really kind and caring notes, knowing that the coronavirus is gripping the country knowing that my wife in our somewhat ongoing fight against cancer has us in a uh, immunocompromised life as we've had for longer than we would like dating back to 2018 happy to report that we are well on lockdown we are wearing our n95 masks we are disinfecting everything we're also frankly maybe a little bit in the veteran category here because we've been doing that for quite some time. So thankfully, as you might have heard me mention on the listener Q&A show, we've been doing this for a little while. I guess if there's a benefit of having been a part of this uh, medical challenge, it's that we've been accustomed to sheltering in place and not gathering in any crowds, no movies, no restaurants, no anything, because we really have not been able to get sick before the coronavirus arrived. So with you all knowing these little facts about what we've been fighting, the fact that so many of you have sent emails, DMs, texts, and whatnot, just to check in, just to say, hey, hope you're doing well. Not you, Pruitt, but your wife. It's really sweet. and just speaks to the community that we have built here. Another subject as well, more and more really sweet things that you've sent in saying, hey, stick with the format Uh, This conversational format, the somewhat loose, open, talking, doing the little family updates each week. Stick with that, which we are certainly, certainly going to do. Last quick item or two. Got a story that went up today about e-racing and the crazy television number it put up on Fox Sports 1. I would anticipate there will be some adjustments from IndyCar and IMSA and others who are doing a whole heck of a bunch of esports content in the absence of live at the track motor races. I think we're going to see those start to spread out to their chosen and preferred TV partners, Formula One. I think we're just going to see this starting to happen a lot. So it's not just a streaming thing. Another thing I'm working on, actually just before I called Alex, got off the phone with Honda Performance Development President Ted Klaus, speaking about this coronavirus-related shutdown and how the state of California, where HPD is based, Michigan, where Chevy Racing and the American arm of Ilmore Engineering is housed, also in the UK, where Ilmore's primary base happens to be. All these areas are on some form of stay-at-home, work-at-home, do-not-venture-out, and as a result, well, it's somewhat hard to make motors for the Indianapolis 500 in the full field of what will eventually be 33, but what will be in qualifying, what we anticipate 35 to 36. 
hard to make motors for everyone plus to do those race day upgraded motors with a little extra power a little better fuel mileage all the development items they've had in the pipeline hard to put those things together and get ready for a may 24th race plus all the testing and practicing and everything that will go on beforehand if folks can't be in the workshop putting their hands on motors and turning wrenches dealing with a bit of an issue here so when we talk about scheduling could the 8500 be pushed back there's the coronavirus itself being a thing that could push it back but we also have a case where the men and women who make the motors that power the 500 might not be able to get into the workshop to create those motors to put in the back of those cars to have a race on may 24th really comes down to timing and when some states decide that folks can go back to work with how things are trending might be the inability to put motors in cars that forces indycar to move the date well before they actually push due to the coronavirus's outbreak still though hashtag me personally very surprised that here on a wednesday afternoon the 25th with lamar having pushed formula one nascar on down the line indycar is still holding pat on its 500 date going to say one final thing before we get to our man alejandro rossi and that is a huge thanks to cooper tires we're doing t-shirt giveaways by the way so one listener had a suggestion that i liked more than others who said the very first person to leave questions for each new episode should get one i'm down with that so we're going to do that and if there are other methods we might use to give away these cooper tires t-shirts the road to Indy design t-shirts as we have fire engines going by outside. If you got ideas on how we might give some of those away, a method to do that, some sort of trigger, drop me a note. Justice Brothers as well. Huge thanks for being a continuing, growing, ever-mounting supporter of what we do here. During these shaky times where folks are really concerned about finances and expenditures, really happy to report Cooper Tires, the Justice Brothers, our brothers at torontomotorsports.com and Bell Racing Helmets USA have all said, we're not going anywhere, we're in. So thanks to them, thanks to you all for helping to create content here with your questions that make those fine companies want to be a part of what we do. With that said, let's get going with our man, Alex Rossi. Friends, we have our man. We have Alexander Rossi back. I hope this is going to serve as some form of okay distraction or something during these strange times. How are you doing? And how are you doing with this don't leave the house unless absolutely necessary routine? Okay, well, first of all, I hope that this provides a distraction for your listeners more than me because I've been distracted with trying to figure out how to drive a stupid uh, computer game race car thing (laughs) on the Internet. Which is really pissing me off. Um, what so what is what's not distracted. working there? By the way, is there something that's <laughs> just killing it. you? Oh. <laughs> Man, like I've gotten to the point where like I can do a decent ish lap. Like by no means is it fast, but like it's good enough for like top ten ish. But like repeating that is not possible right now. So um, I've got a couple days still to to get in dialed in before. 
the season opener of the IndyCar iRacing Championship or whatever, but it's been uh, not been my favorite pastime, if you will. Uh, well, I, I mentioned on my listener Q&A show yesterday on the topic of iRacing, just eSports when it comes to motor racing, I really cannot stand the eSports racers who claim that because they are the champion of whatever iRacing league, that that automatically means or they think that they're actual true talent when it comes to driving actual racing cars. And then there's the inverse, where you can be a guy with a, your freaking face on the Borg Warner trophy. Doesn't mean the iRacing stuff is just a snap or comes to you uh, automatically. So I love well, the fact. I think, I, think, I think the big thing to like remind people of is because I've gotten a lot of like comments and responses. Well, well you're, you're on the sim all the time. It's like, okay, there's a big difference between like a purpose-built $5 million HPD or Pratt & Miller sim that has like the tire modeling and vehicle dynamics done correctly by IndyCar engineers versus something that's certainly a, a big step above like a, like a Forza or a Gran Turismo, but ultimately is still a game, right? And it, it's, it's got that game element to it to where you can kind of find tricks that are worth huge amounts of lap time. And if you don't know those tricks, you can find yourself looking pretty silly. Like it, I am right now. <laughs> it is so, it makes me so happy to know that just idiots like me, that they're actually real true stars of the sport can also struggle with things that befuddle uh, us, us normal folk. Well, let's do this. Uh, let's get into the questions here. I know that we got maybe 40-ish minutes or so before you got to run. Uh, so let's yep. dive into our normal Q&A. Great stuff from folks as usual. Some of these things, you know, we'll, we'll see how far you want to go or not. We'll ask them. Pete Cruson asked the first question. Is, Alexander, so you have a new contract with Andretti Autosport. Does the shutdown affect anything related to you from an employment standpoint? Um, he also asked what you're doing to uh, stay in shape uh, with many of the gyms across the state being closed. So that's a good one, right? Yeah. Uh, for sure. So I'll, I'll answer the, the easy one first. Um, so I have a gym in my house, so it's it's pretty pretty easy. Um, and James doesn't live too far from me, so he comes by and, and we kind of just carry on with our normal program in the mornings, and then um, have a, a stationary bike at home and, and all that jazz, so can can ride in the afternoon. So pretty easy to stay in shape, actually. And the weather's um, starting to turn in Indiana, which is great and there's no restriction on going and running and taking your dogs for hikes outside and everything. So that's all good. So, um, no, no big dramas there in terms of, you know, the, the employment, the contracts, all that sort of thing. I think everyone in, in racing is kind of in a limbo period right now, just kind of waiting to see how this, how this all goes. I don't think anyone really has, uh, clauses in their contracts for pandemics or, um, population ending uh, viruses. So uh, I think everyone's kind of just playing it by ear right now. Obviously, you know, there's the hope that this is kind of a, a one or two months, three months kind of thing. And, and then everything goes back to normal um, for, the, for the most part. We can get close to a full season in towards the end of the year. So I think that's everyone's focus and, and intentions at this point. So as of now, nothing, nothing changes and, and we're all just, kind of focused on, on getting through this and, and trying to be as prepared as possible for, for when things start picking up again. F1-aholic has a question for the two of us. He says, Alex and MP, with most people staying at home, 
What's the one TV show you've been watching you're ashamed to admit to? Ooh, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. What? <laughs> Why? What, no, that I'm ashamed? Or no, no, what? just it's, like I, I've had the option to watch that a thousand times, and I've always said, no, nah, that, uh, that just, I can't it's see. phenomenal. Is it? it All right. It's really good. I'm done, then. I got to do that. I, I, like, I, like, like, ignore the title. It's actually brilliant. It's a really, really good show. So... I don't want this. Maybe embarrassed. I'm embarrassed by most things that I do. Uh, so that's the norm. But uh, let's see. One thing that I've started watching with my wife of late, and it's brilliant. Real Housewives of Atlanta. Oh, okay. It is the trashiest that's, thing. That's more embarrassing than mine. Oh, it is totally. But I embrace <laughs> it and love it. Whatever amount of drama you think is going on in the IndyCar paddock. Oh yeah. no. Oh no! Well, you know. Anyway, so is it is is Atlanta more dramatic than like L.A. or is there? Do you not know because you haven't watched? Isn't there one in L.A.? Isn't that there the is? One? I don't know. Okay. Yeah, I'll just say culturally, Real Housewives of Atlanta geared it's to wild. be. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's enjoyable. <laughs> it, it's not awesome. dry. It is not dry. So Fair enough. That's pretty awesome. Uh, let's see. We're gonna go to Justin Everett. Says Alex, with Tom Brady's departure to Tampa Bay, will your fandom remain with the Patriots, or are you moving across to the Buccaneers? That's a great question. So I've, I've always told people that I'm a, I'm a Tom Brady fan more than I am a New England fan, um, but because I watched Tom play for the Pats for so long, you know, I, I became a, a fan of a lot of their players, some of which are gone anyways now or, and or leaving. Um, so the, the one thing I'm honestly really looking forward to is there's always been this question is can Tom accomplish anything without Bill Belichick and can Bill Belichick do the same thing without Tom Brady? And so I think in, in a way now it's not a black and white way because the NFL is always, always changing and there's more than two guys that make a team, but it'd be interesting to see their, their success or lack thereof without each other. And um, I think that'll be, the most exciting part to watch. But having said that, I definitely plan on getting to at least one Tampa game this year. Oh, good man. Good man. Well, Justin, I'll just throw in that since Tom and I were born in the same hospital, I've been like Alex, a Tom Brady fan more than a devout Patriots fan. So I too will be watching with great interest to see if he can, not throw t- 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions like Jameis Winston. For sure. Um, got a couple esports questions here, having already gone through the pain of trying to master uh, iRacing. Yep. A couple folks, Bryce and Frank, John Hollinger, Chris Peterson, a lot of them are curious about thoughts on this, right? We can't go motor racing as, air quote, normal. What are your feelings about this sudden rise to try and fill that void with esports and i racing do you like that do you think it should stay a fixture even when we do get back to racing um you know in a lot of ways i think it's it's almost a necessary evil and, and something that was that was coming and i say evil just because i'm not good at it not because i think anything <laughs> is wrong with it um it it's kind of was already trending upwards. You know, we, we see the younger generation is is very into um, video games and, and watching people play video games, which is fascinating for me to to try and wrap my head around. Um, and then also, you know, it's it's no secret that the young people we've we've been struggling to kind of get their attention in in normal motorsports. So I think 
in a lot of ways, this, this proves is a really good opportunity to not only give our current fan base something to look forward to each weekend, um, give our sponsors some sort of, of visibility that they're not getting um, without race cars on track, but also hopefully open up our sport to an audience that may have otherwise not even known it existed uh, because they're, they're video game fans. And so they might watch an IndyCar iRace or whatever and think, oh, that's actually pretty cool. I might check that out when it comes to my city in a couple months or next year or what, what have you. So I think it's, um, it's exciting for the sport, and I think it done correctly, it, it can be nothing but a positive thing. Let's look at another shade of this. So part of the fun, I would think, is, okay, so guess what? IndyCar drivers this weekend are going to go to iRacing in IndyCar. So we just had cup drivers in cup cars. You find any interest on, as Chris Peterson says, trying a sprint car uh, at IMS or, you know, trying some of the different forms of eSport motor racing that is outside your standard disciplines. Is there any interest that peaks for you there or you Um, just want to get back to real racing? So... If I, if I was at a point in my iRacing skill level to where like I could jump in an IndyCar and after a couple of hours of practice at a track, be on pace and be good, then yes. But right now, the last thing I want to be doing is switching between cars and like trying to figure out different driving styles and different settings for steering and braking and all of that jazz. So no, I won't be doing that. Um, unless, you know, in the next, week days weeks um i have a breakthrough and all of a sudden it becomes second nature to me then yes i consider it but right now my brain is full of just trying to make a ir18 sorry about that work work at uh at um either watkins Glen or michigan which will be the race for this weekend does calling your insane race engineer Jeremy Millis offer any help or does that only make things worse? <laughs> it would, but it's a fixed setup, right? So uh-huh. like there's only so much motivation that he can give um, without actually being able to tell me to change a front spring or something. So um, otherwise he'd be a great help, but, but unfortunately it doesn't really apply this time. Lance Snyder asks, Alex, if you could just dump anyone on iRacing just because who would you want to take out? He also asks if you would bring your, off track with Hinch and Rossi super producer Thim to race just for fun. So you could dump him into the wall at every opportunity. Uh, oh, um, uh, if I answer that, I'll probably get in trouble. So I, I probably, probably not going to name a specific name other than someone that's not in racing. So, um, let's go with, Oh, that's political. I can't say that either. I'm just drawing blanks here. Let's just let's just stick with Tim. I would dump Tim into a wall, virtual and in reality, if I had the opportunity. Well deserved. Yes. We're going to stick with podcast here. Got a couple of great questions, starting with Shauna Oakwood, who says, Alex, how did Off Track come to be? And was podcasting something you wanted to do? Podcasting was not something I wanted to do. I still don't think it's something I necessarily want to do. Um, but nonetheless, here we are. Uh, so James James had a podcast that was going on for for a little while um, back in the previous era of, of IndyCar marketing with with Brian Simpson, and it was called The Mayor on Air. And that was a 
really successful, and, and James did a good job with it. Um, but as, as Brian kind of left IndyCar, um, you know, James was looking to, to do something else. I was looking to kind of try and, and grow and appeal to to fans and, and, and reach a, a different audience. So um, we kind of came up with a crazy idea that two polar opposites would start a podcast together. And initially it started to as a, like, actually – at least tried to be well-managed production with like guests and schedules and formats and such. And then we realized um, that we have no clue what we're doing and that was just <laughs> ridiculous. And so it's transitioned into James and I just talking a bunch of shit most of the time and trying to um, give an inside opinion on, you know, our thoughts on, on race weekends. You know, really it's a podcast that gives an inside line into, you know, what, what, how a race went from our perspective or, or what we thought happened and or could it happen differently and that sort of thing. And during the off season, it gets pretty wild and we talk about a lot of random stuff and um, the people that still tune in, I applaud you and I appreciate it and I don't know why. Um, but nonetheless, here you are and we have a very special guest uh, coming out this week um, that I can just say is, uh, is Travis Pastrana. So he's, nice. he's someone that is a, is a great interview and, and cool to hear from. So people will get a nice treat there. I love the fact that you do the podcast because it does allow folks to get to see here you with you just being you instead of the highly formal format that most, you know, an IndyCar weekend you're thrown into fairly defined lanes this is just you and hinch being the two of you i love how folks have responded to that that part is great the money i thought you were going to say the sole reason you got in was for the money because seriously driving the indy car that doesn't pay much podcasting that's the real big money there yes oh yeah yeah um sure. let's go to grant stouter he says alex you don't do your grinding my gears section of off track anymore why not he says, don't tell me you ran out of things to bitch and moan about. I've heard you're in car radio. <laughs> um, I think he got my in car radio mixed up with the 98s because I don't drive the 98 anymore. So, um, first oh, of all, shots <laughs> <incorrect>. fired. <laughs> Second of all, um, we haven't done it just because, like I said, the, the production value has gone down drastically. Um, so segments aren't really a thing anymore. Uh, not because we ran out of things to talk about, just because um, we just kind of go with the flow. So people seem to like that more. If there's a desire to have Grind My Gears come back, then um, we can make that happen. See, I refer to my listener Q&A show as my unpolished turd, and it's the same thing. It just is whatever it is. I tell folks up front it's terrible, and yet they still listen. I I don't completely grasp it. Next question here, Alex from... uh, some guy on the internet sounds a little dicey comes from Kyle Sagan. Oh boy. Yeah. Two questions. What's with the dance before getting in the car and who's your favorite crew member and why? Come on. There's gotta be one favorite. Um, uh, there's a lot of guys I'd love on that team. This team, our team, um, I'm not going to say one. I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm partial to the 27 guys, but you know, there's a lot of guys on the on the 2018, the 88 team, 26 car, and I, I mean, all of them that that I have 
uh, a, a relationship in one way or another. So, um, you know, it's part of the main reason that, that I stayed at NJD Autosport for this year. So I'll just leave it at that. Um, Should we qualify of- Sagan as a quitter, though, right? Is, wasn't he helping the Foyt folks last year? Didn't he bail on a good thing with Andretti? I think that has to be stated. Well, I mean, he, everyone's got their reasons, right? Like, who knows? I mean, he, he, I, I don't, I don't could, know. I mean, but yes, but yes. Bad he, reasons. He quit. Yeah. Ultimately, he, he left us. Horrible so. person. Deplorable. That, that's usually yeah. what precedes his first name there. What about the um, dance? The dance. So I went to, I'm struggling to remember his name, and I'm looking it up on the internet right now. So I went to a driving school that was run by Ross Bentley. Yeah. It was called like the, the Secrets of Speed Driving School or something, and he has a book called Speed Secrets. Um, and one of the books that my father like quizzed me on every week, um, every chapter of those books was what was called like a cross crawl where you put your right hand on your left knee and your left hand on your right knee. And it's like a way to get the left and right sides of your brain, like working together. Now, whether that's scientific and reality or not, um, I did it from day one in a race car because my father made me and uh here we are um 15 years later still doing it hey man it looks good and you got hinge uh, jumping rope it, you know there, there's some the pre-driving exercises they're entertaining pretty weird yeah elio does uh actually just kind of jumps runs in place dances in place that's a I fun. Think he just, I think he just does that before, like meals, before like he showers, before. I mean, he does that before anything that he does in his life. He's a wiggly character. Uh, I yes. think that that is for sure. Uh, JJ Gertler says, "Mr. Rossi, look at that. You got a Mister." Says you've gotten to drive the Lotus Forty Nine as a Formula One throwback. He says, "Are there any other old race cars you really would just like to try?" Can Am McLaren. STP turbine Porsche 917. Does that stuff interest you at all? Um, yes and no. I, I mean, I would say that the the biggest things that I would love to drive. I mean, if you mentioned Can Am, so that's awesome. So the the M18, the M1B. Um, there were there were. Um, excuse me. Uh, the Bruce McLaren drove. I mean, those are those are awesome and, and, and iconic, but. It's not really old, but my ultimate car that I would love to have driven at one point or one day is that McLaren F1 car, the MP419, the one that Raikkonen um, drove that like won all those races, but also failed a lot. Um, <laughs> That's an interesting modifier. Famously at, at Hockenheim when like the rear wing came off going into turn one or whatever. So. I, I thought that car was just phenomenal, and that was really a time when I was falling in love with with F one. So that was, I think, what two thousand and two ish. Yeah. Um, so that's not that old, but still, I mean, we're getting there. It's getting close to twenty years now. Wow, that'd be a fun addition to the garage. Granted, you might I mean, not be able to afford a house to have a garage uh, to put it in, but uh, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, no, I don't think there'll ever be a period of time where I can afford that. But it's a nice thought. <laughs> Let's go to our pal Kevin Perez Federico. Says, "Hey Alex, since you've been branching out to other forms of motorsport, Bathurst, Baja, etc., and says, would you consider trying out Chris Generate's HPD supported 900 horsepower Honda Civic SI drift car?" He says, "It'd be really cool to see you send it 
at the Formula Drift Long Beach event some year. Does that, I mean, that just seems like fun, but it is also a skill thing. Does that pique your interest at all? Uh, not particularly, no. Um, you damn road racers, I tell you. I don't know what to tell you. Like, no, probably not. I don't even know. I didn't even know that HPD had a car in that well sort of scenario. So we have aspirations. Knowledge. Okay. Uh, well. Paul Trahan says, would you rather do karaoke with a drunken willpower or spend two hours stuck in the elevator with your podcast producer, Thim? <laughs> uh, I guess drunken karaoke with willpower because at least you're not having to be sober through the process. You might get punched, though. By who, Will? Oh, yeah. Oh, that guy's about as punchy. I mean, he's fun, but also he's definitely a, a delinquent as a youth. Lots of lots of street fights with power. That makes sense. You can see that. Yeah. That's why he looks at you crooked sometimes. Those eyes are scary. There's some bodies. There's some bodies somewhere attached to those. Eyes. It's why it's why he's so fast and qualifying because like one eye looks left and the other eye looks right the whole time. So like he can just he's he's um 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 nip, no um this site what's um what's all seen um, omnipotent omniscient omnipotent uh, well impotent is it's standing not- out but that's clearly not the case he's got a kid. Um, he can see around corners, I think is what we're trying to say. He can see all. His third right. eye he is finally attuned. Yeah. There we go. There you go. Oh, Lord. Uh, ben Cohen, he says, Alex, you and I seem to have quite a bit in common. We both enjoy IndyCar racing mm. and uh, are somewhat large bourbon connoisseurs. He says, do you have a distillery that you seem to lean towards? He says, it's too hard to say that he has a favorite, but he just tries to appreciate the incredible craftsmanship that is out there. And also says cheers to a healthy season for you. Look forward to seeing you back in a car soon. So bourbon, what, what, bourbon. What, what's the go-to? Um, in terms of favorite distilleries, I'd have to say Buffalo Trace or uh, Heaven Hill. Um, in terms of brands, you know, it's that's tough. I mean, everything from a from a Weller to an Old Fitz to a. Um, even like a, some bookers, certain types of bookers, um, Stag Jr., uh, the list could go on and wow. on. Um, Michter's 10, Michter's, Michter's 20. Um, you yeah, put in I, some research. Oh, dude, it's, it's, it's become a little bit of a problem, actually. Not from the drinking side <laughs> of things. cry for more, help today on the Marshall so, Pruitt podcast. <laughs> more so, like, I, and I say this with the hand on my heart. Like I love the, the hunt for it almost more than I enjoy actually drinking it because it's become such a, like a popular thing. And, and, and all of these bourbons are now becoming allocated that stuff that, you know, at a period of time used to exist on shelves kind of to, in every liquor store that you went into just frankly doesn't exist anymore. There's just not enough bottles for the demand. So because in our, profession we we get the opportunity to kind of travel around the nation where different states have different kind of deals with the distilleries and and the the distributors and such you can stumble into a random liquor store in the middle of austin texas and find a bottle that you've been looking for for two years type of thing so that's that's always kind of fun to do and um part of this kind of bourbon group that we have is is myself james and 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 rob wickham so it's a way for us to kind of 
uh, bombed away from the racetrack and, and uh, compare notes and stuff. So it's, it's become a little bit of a hobby for, for all three of us, actually. It was really cool to see how much folks enjoyed, I don't know what we should call it, but the little bar side chat that you guys had here uh, a couple days ago, that seemed to go over uh, quite well. And I, yeah. I clearly realized that I could not hang. Like, I really love dark beers and often consume one during uh, some of my longer podcasts. I don't know if I've ever actually tasted bourbon. I've never had a taste for hard alcohol, hard liquor. So, okay, I don't know. Well, there's, there's time. You're still young. True. You know? True. Yeah. I have decades of alcoholism to practice here. <laughs> oh, Lord. Uh, let's go to our pals at Toronto Motorsports. He's, uh, Derek Hoska says, in my mind, Brunner should be a place. But can you explain its origin, and does it still happen from time to time? So I must say, so I saw this picture because I was, I guess, tagged in it in response to, to you um, asking for questions. And whatever restaurant that is looks phenomenal. Amazing. So like I, took, I took a screenshot of it and was like, if I ever designed a restaurant one day, it would be a carbon <laughs> copy of that. Number one. Um, so I would love to know where that is and if that's a real place. Second of all, uh, Brunner, uh, well, the, the living being of Brunner is my dog. Yes. But his name was derived from a very um, uh, wholesome group of individuals that would have brunch at James's house um, that would turn into dinner because we would stay there for so long. Um, and it existed uh, pretty much strictly during off weeks and when there was big gaps of time between races. And uh, it, was a, it was a great time. Unfortunately, you know, as, as people's lives change and, and things happen, um, it hasn't really happened in a while with the whole group. But nonetheless, the spirit of, of Runner still is there and the group chat still exists and, and we're all still, still pretty good friends. See, this one I love came from Sion Roberts. Says, I think it's pretty fair to say Alex has raced against all the best single seater drivers in the world. It's curious, are there some of maybe lesser known drivers you've competed against where you'd say, you know, love to see them maybe come over and try IndyCar, particularly from your time in Europe? So curious if there are any ones you're like, oh, that F1 thing didn't work out for them, but boy, they'd probably be good over here. You know, I have to say, like, probably anyone in Formula E. I, I think a lot of of the guys that I raced against and were kind of were on the same trajectory that, that didn't end up in F1 um, kind of are now in FE. And, you know, they're, they're hugely talented race car drivers and, and um, could be very successful in F1 if, if they were given the opportunity and, and by that regard also in IndyCar. So, um, you know, top of mind is probably uh, Stoffel Van Dorn, Jean-Eric Verne, um, Antonio Felix da Costa, those, those three guys, you know, I raced with week in and week out and, and they're, they're all superstars. So, um, you know, I think we're, we're already, we've been seeing for, for the past couple of years, the interest in, in IndyCar from Europe and, um, you know, it's, it's slowly guys are starting to trickle over and I think that's only going to continue as, as time goes on. It's pretty stacked. Uh, I mean, for those who are critical of Formula E, I, I don't have any comment on that, but if we're just talking talent, yeah. No, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's crazy, yeah. Mitch Evans, like, who knew that Mitch sure. Evans was going to become, you know, this would be the place where his talent has stood out the most, but pretty awesome. 
Uh, Noah Richardson has a great question. This occurred to me as well, Noah, during uh, spring training at Coda. He says, Alex, what's the deal with all the pink and black cars? Did you secretly master interdimensional travel to pull other Alex Rossi's out of different realities to place them on the starting grid? This is true between uh, what? Uh, Alex Palou's coin mobile, uh, our man Jack Harvey, and his, his Meyer Shank hot rod in your alternate livery. I mean, there's some pretty stuff, but folks might get confused who's who. It's weird. You wouldn't think pink would be like a color that became popular for race cars. Um, but here nor there, it is. And, um, you know, at least for, for Jack and I, you know, the, the pink means something more than just the color. And it, it represents the Drive Pink campaign and, and Auto Nation's drive to, to fight, fight cancer and, and uh, bring, bring awareness to, to cancer research. So um, it's pretty cool to represent a cause that's, that's bigger than just going roundy round um but uh yeah i mean there's three of us for at least half the year that are pink and black so people are gonna have to pay attention yeah and hold on when we go back to racing there might be four or five you never know all right got about five minutes to go throw one or two more at you here our pal uh, rick radica is a question he says alex if your andretti autosport entry had the steering device uh as seen on the mercedes f1 cars would you like to use it? And would it assist lap times? And this obviously referring to a bit of on-the-fly toe adjustment. Um, what comes to mind when you saw that? And does it intrigue you enough to wish you could actually try it out? Um, so when I saw it, I thought it would serve a much different purpose than what they say it's for. So, like, I thought that that would solely just to be to take front toe out to allow for, like, less drag in terms of rolling resistance going down the straight, but like in their determination or interpretation, it's to like manage, you know, tire temperatures across the whole surface, um, which I guess is important, but also like from my knowledge of, of how tires work and cool in the straights, like, I don't know how necessary it is, but obviously, I mean, they're a lot smarter than I am and and felt it was good. But even in kind of reading some of the quotes from Lewis and Valtteri, it was kind of like, yeah, you know, we're going to try it in Australia, but we're not quite sold on it yet. So from like a driver's standpoint, it'd be very annoying, I think, um, for not a whole lot of net gain, I don't think. Fair enough. Let's go to Dustin Marlowe, and this might be the last question. says, Alex, are there any tracks? that you look forward to visiting for the sake of their local eateries and breweries. Dustin asked, do you have a favorite meal or restaurant around my home track of Barber Motorsports Park? And he says, if not, I might recommend Eugene's Hot Chicken. Okay, that's noted. Um, I would know nothing about breweries on a, on a racetrack. Uh, a, because it's not the right time to be drinking beer. Second of all, not a big beer guy. Um, but in terms of like the, the food scene that I, I love and I love going there, um, it's gotta be Portland, um, Portland, Portland and Austin are, are kind of my two favorites, I would say, just cause I mean, they're, they're, they're weird cities, right? And, and as a result of that, you get some very, um, kind of dynamic and different food and, and atmospheres and vibes. And, and I just love that sort of thing. So the, the Californian in me comes out a little bit when we go to cities like that. And the last thing I want to do is, is have a normal kind of steak somewhere. You want to go try something different and, and a little bit funky. 
Portland is rainy Austin, and Austin is country Portland. So there you go. Yeah, perfect. All right, let's throw in one final one here to close. This comes from Tracy Leanne, who says, "When you win your first championship, what will your victory celebration be like?" And I guess I wouldn't limit that to the podium and you know the the manufactured NBC stuff afterwards. I'm thinking more like what happens the night of and the following night? How long does this go on? Where does it happen? This seems like something to plan in advance, kind of like a, a an award speech, right? A lot of folks nominated to win, but you want yeah. to be ready if you got to do it. Yeah, so we, we, we've kind of toyed with ideas the past couple of years um, if, if the opportunity presented itself. So I, I told the team that I'd take them to either uh, Manhattan or Vegas, um, depending on um, just schedules and, and timing and everything. But then with my girlfriend and, and our close friends, um, we, I, I obviously used to live in London. Um, I was there for six years, but, but the, the three people that I'm referring to had never been before. Um, so we would, we would go to London and, and spend a, a week there or something. And, and that'd kind of be the celebration. So, um, it'd be something to do with the team and then something to do with, with, uh, friends and family and such. Um, but you know, I think we need to stop planning or thinking about that sort of thing and just go out there and focus on, on winning it and, and getting that done first and foremost. See, that's why you're a perennial championship contender, my man, Alex, thanks for taking some time and we'll look forward to speaking soon. Yeah. Sounds good, man. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. <laughs>